Hey guys, it's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark. Hi everyone, how are you? I am Nina Clark, your host today. I'm thinking of you all. I feel like I want to take a big, collective, deep breath and just say, woo, 2020 has been quite a year for all of us. I am sending you all my positive vibes and good energy. And I do really believe that sharing good news is more important than ever before. When I launched this podcast back in 2018, I had no idea how much we would really need all this good news in our lives. So here we are. Welcome to podcast number 82. Today, we certainly have some good news to share. I'm so excited to share this with you all. Good news about love. Today's episode will inspire you to overcome challenges, overcome difficult times, and also show us all how to overcome grief. Today's story is about taking the leap back into love with my friend Elizabeth Long. After losing her fiance, Michael, who passed away unexpectedly in a car accident in 2018, Elizabeth struggled to cope, but she promised her two young, beautiful daughters that they would move forward together and find love again. And boy, has she done just that. Mind you, she's also done all of that in the middle of a global pandemic (laughs) in a year that is arguably one of the toughest years for all of us. Here to share this incredible story that will lift all of us up today is Elizabeth Long, who's joining me today from Chicago. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, Nina. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, it's such an honor to uh, be invited to share my story um, as I've listened to so many other people share their stories through you. So thank you so much for bringing us good news um, and for letting me bring a little light to the world as well. I appreciate it. Oh, well, I'm so excited. This has been a long time coming. You and I share a mutual good friend out in Chicago. Shout out to our friend, Maggie. We love you. We love you, Maggie. And um, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about yourself and your girls, how you guys are doing during this crazy year, 2020. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if I should be embarrassed to tell you that this is not our worst year, but it's not. And um, we're we're thriving to be quite frank. Not that we haven't had days that were hard or rough, um, but it's still a day and we still have uh, hands to carry and legs that move us and lungs that breathe and eyes that see. And so uh, we certainly have it put into perspective. We're, uh, well, managing everything and sort of having fun doing it. Uh, We live in Chicago. So uh, we're in the friendly Midwest here. I, um, I've lived here for a long time. My family moved around a little bit, but we're originally from Chicago, moved to Marco Island, Florida, and I came back. I am one, actually number four out of five kids. And I say that just because my story's crazy and I want to just verify that I am sort of a middle-ish child. So I do qualify for a little bit of dysfunction, four out of five, um, but a nice, big, loving family. I have two girls, Lily and Madeline. Um, Madeline's 11 and Lily is 13 and they're just awesome kids. I think that I've taught them a lot in this world and I know that they've taught me a lot more. Uh, they're, they're probably my two biggest teachers um, on how to navigate life and really have opened my eyes up to um, saying yes to life, that spontaneity and creativity of a child. And they've just brought just brought so much of my childhood thinking and vision back into my life. 
um, they're just a lot of fun. So if those two girls and I'm divorced, widowed, engaged, a lot of different things. Um, and overall, I'm just another bozo on the bus. You know, when you first asked me that question, I thought, gosh, tell me, tell uh, your listeners a little bit about myself. And I thought, I don't know, I'm a wanderer. You know, I'm a wanderer of life. And I think that I've, I've found a lot of love along the way. I think I give away a lot of love, um, but I'm certainly just a wanderer with my eyes open. And so um, that's it, finding a lot of joy on my journey. I love that. I love that. You're a beautiful wanderer along the way. I love it. So tell us a little bit about Michael. How did you and Michael, your fiance, meet? I know you've mentioned before that he was the love of your life, um, but what? how did you guys even meet? Yeah, so sweet Michael and I, we met, um, let's see, we met at a fundraiser in the summer of 2011. We were at um, a fundraiser, a gift of adoption. We had a mutual friend who had adopted and she was running this, this Chicago chapter. And so uh, we met there and it's funny because I, I had met him briefly, like a, there's a neighbor who has an annual Christmas party and I had met him there uh, years ago. And we had mutual friends who kind of knew him. Uh, so maybe a handful of times I had been around him, right? But so I, I, we're at this fundraiser and I see him and he's over in the corner and I literally heard myself go, oh, there you are. Almost like I was looking for, it actually shocked me, you know, almost like I had been looking for him. Like, oh, there you are. Right. Um, and so, so that's where, where we first met and we just kind of came across the room and then we chatted and spent the whole night, you know, chit-chatting and, and uh, catching up on life. And I had lost my father and he had lost his father. And so, um, you know, he was telling me about his son, and my girls, and I had just started uh, going through the divorce process. And so he had been divorced for many years. And so we just, I don't know, it was like catching up with an old friend. Oh, there you are. You know, we just got right to it, just started talking. And so then obviously you start dating him and your girls, I know your girls loved Michael so much. And then um, you guys got engaged and you guys were going to get married. So tell us a little bit about that and your relationship. Yeah, absolutely. What an honor to talk about this man. So he, um, <laughs> you know, you think a love story and I want to tell you, it was like really easy and beautiful and so graceful. And that's not just not our story. Um, when I met Michael, uh, I was in the middle of a, we're actually just starting out in a, what turned out to be a very contentious divorce, um, a lot of my, my doing. And um, I really met Michael at my bottom or on my way, at least to my, to my, my bottom. Um, and what started out as a love story sort of with him and I has really morphed into a love story with he and I, which then allowed me to love myself and then allowed me to give that uh, to others. And Michael was just this, for me, he was this sort of safe, loving, warm space for me to heal and grow as a person. Um, I learned so much from watching the way that he lived his life and the way he treated others and viewed himself. Um, but like I said, when I met him, I was tanking as a human being. I was in the middle of the divorce. I had started drinking um, to cope with my divorce and the stress of that. And clearly I, I lacked some healthy coping skills um, and started to, at some point, develop a pretty serious drinking problem. It was really fast and furious. Like my, I met Michael a few months into it. I started drinking heavily, 
And then gosh, I don't, maybe 10 months later, I checked into to treatment. And so it was fast and furious into addiction and then into recovery. And so um, he just held space for me to be really. He, um, he knew who, who I was. He would say to me, um, I see your light, Lizzie, and I can see that you don't see that. So I'm just going to stay here and love you until you do. So he had this, oh, he was so extraordinary. And he had this strength and vulnerability about him that was really beautiful. And Michael sought deeply to be loved and to love in return. And he just wanted to be a part of, like, I think most of us can relate to that. He just mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of, you know, fold me in. Um, he was a very, very quiet man um, and, and rested in, really rested in his wholeness. He had moments where he could be the life of the party and he was social and could be engaging. But he was a quiet man, selfless, sort of giving, empathetic. And his heart was just enormous for me for my girls, for his friends, for his family, who he adored. Um, He was humble in service um, and just really, uh, just a humble, kind man. And he, one of the things that I learned from Michael was watching, was watching him navigate a room and people would just get so comfortable instantaneous and just really open up to him. And it really, he was not doing anything, but what he brought into a room was that he was so completely comfortable in who he was, that he gave this beautiful space for others to be exactly who they were, whether it was put together, it was a, it was a mess, it was insecure, whatever, however they showed up, they would just sort of be, you, you could just be. And he didn't come in high, he didn't come in low, he just was, and he rested comfortably in his wholeness. And uh, that was a key takeaway for me from watching Michael, because I was not, I did not feel whole. I did not feel safe. I did not feel loved. I felt broken, you know? And so I had this teacher that came into my life who showed me how to love big and how to not just love others, but he loved himself, right? And so he gave me this, this, like I said, this space and grace um, to figure out who I I was. And he, uh, he was just unconditionally loving and he forgave me because I, you know, I've had a lot of missteps while I was boozing it up. Um, and he just, he sort of held on to the truth of what he saw within me and he would talk about it being your light, you know, and so he held on to that when I couldn't see it. And he was, he was beautiful, Nina. He was romantic. You know, he had this very masculine side to them and then this side of him that was very vulnerable and authentic and he could be romantic. He in his little uh, notes on his phone, he had Lizzie's favorite list, you know, my favorite flowers and candy and shoe sizes and that I loved People Magazine, you know. He, um, he brought me flowers every week. He sang me songs. He left me voicemails, you know, um, surprise trips and dinners and just, just little I love yous and the glance. And um, he was beautiful. He was exactly what I needed him to be. And um and I could feel him, you know, even if I couldn't see him, I'd, we'd be out at an event or a friend's house or a dinner. And I could feel him looking at me. And if I was lucky enough to catch his, uh, you know, his glance across the room, uh, he'd be looking at me like I was literally the only person in the room, you know, and his, his little eyes would light up and sort of soften on the edges. And to have someone 
look at you like that after they have seen literally the worst version of yourself, right? He saw me at my worst, my ugliest, my most insecure, afraid, self-destructing worst. And to have someone look at you like that and light up when they see you, uh, it was just, it was beautiful to experience and it was beyond healing. You know, it just, um, it just uh, just put me back together. It opened my eyes. It helped me to wake up to who I am and certainly to who he is and who, who what was possible for me to be. Um, it was just nothing short of uh, extraordinary to stand in his light, really. It sounds like you're one lucky gal. Yeah, I feel like that. Yes, I do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So he sounds, he sounded so amazing. And I feel like I've gotten to know him just from knowing you and everything you write about him. But tell us sadly about, it was, it was about during the holiday season of 2018, December of 2018. Tell us what happened in December of 2018. Yeah. So it was actually, we're coming up on his anniversary. It was December 8th of 2018. I, um, I was in Florida. My girls were with their dad and uh, I was at Florida. My baby sister was having a baby, her first baby. And so we were doing a baby shower down there. And um, I had flown down there on a Friday, but Nina, I woke up that Monday before uh, I took that trip and I was just crippled with um, sadness. And I cried hysterically, which is not my norm. I cried hysterically on my, uh, my um, bedroom closet floor. And Michael came in and was like, oh my God, what's going on? Are the girls okay? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. I did not know what was going on. I was so emotional. And I said, it feels like when my dad died, I'm so like, it is such a deep, deep sorrow. And um, he actually took a half day from work and hung out with me. And then I got ready. I called my big sister. I'm like, I don't know what's going on in my perimenopausal, like what is out of control, uh, pain, sorrow. And so called my doctor. Um, and it didn't, I didn't get relief from it all week. So Friday I'm going to get on the plane and, um, I'm like, I don't, I should, I'm not supposed to be going. I shouldn't leave you. He's like, Lizzie, please go to Florida. Let your sisters love you up. So we got out to hug. And I just, I did not want to let go almost to the point where like, just kind of pulled my hand off his shoulders. He's like, Lizzie, go be with your sisters. We'll figure this out when you get home. So his last text message to me on the airplane was let your, you know, let your sisters and your family love you up. Have a great time. We'll figure this out when you get home. I love you. And, um, so I got on the plane, flew down to Florida Friday. We had, um, my cousins were down there. We had a dinner and Saturday I talked to him. We text a little bit in the morning. I talked to him Saturday afternoon uh, during the middle of the shower and he had been going down to uh, go hunting with friends of ours in, in Illinois, in Southern Illinois. And so uh, talked to him, he did that. And then had the shower, had her shower for her, from her other side of the family, went back to my little sisters. We were all hanging out. And my, um, my big sister and my little sister and I were in the nursery and my little sister was sitting in the rocking chair. My big sister and I were on the bed and, you know, just talking about the baby and the shower and, um, I had this flash and, and saw, and Michael was to my right. Okay. Not like I could see him with my eyes that I knew no different than I could feel him in a room. Michael was with me. And I started yelling that something had happened to Michael and that Michael had died. And my little sister 
I, I can still see her like she's sort of covered her stomach. You know, I was like, oh my God, don't I have to Michael? Just sort of immediately went into hysterics. And uh, she was like, they were like, what? You know, what are you talking about? And um, rightly so, thought I was nuts. And uh, I, I jumped up, my phone was plugged in in the kitchen because it was dead. And I said, get, get the phone, you know, get the phone. You got to call Michael, help me. You know, I go to my big said, help me try to find him. So we're calling him, he's not picking up. So um, I don't know, maybe it was about 40 minutes later, um, I got the phone call that Michael had died. And um, I remember looking at the number, it was Wasika County and I picked it up for my sister and I go, I'm gonna have to pick up this phone call, you know? My life, his family's life, his son's life, all of our lives are never gonna be the same after this, after I pick up this phone call because they're gonna tell me that Michael's dead. Um, and so I picked up the phone call and sure enough, that's what happened. And, um, and uh, everything sort of stopped, but I had this very, it was like, it felt like everything was swirling, you know, around me. And it was, you know, your body has this weird reaction, your nervous system. So I could feel, it was almost like I had had this observer's position where I could feel everything that was going on. I could see my sisters, I was weeping. And I had this, and my brother-in-law, and I had this very clear conversation with myself where I'm like, okay, Lizzie, here's the deal. You've done this before. You know, my, my brother died young. My father died young. I'm like, you know what premature loss is like. You know that, that uh, grief can literally rob you of years of your life. You, I have had this, this uh, spiritual practice that I had been working on for many years while Michael and I dated. I had all these different tools and, um, and really a, a practice that grounded me every day. So you're going to have to make a choice right now that you're going to do this different. And it was, a, I'm not, it was like a conscious choice where I'm like, I am going to do this loss differently. I'm going to take the spiritual perspective I have. I'm going to use these tools that I have. And I'm going to see if I can navigate this differently than I've lost, or excuse me, navigated the other losses in my life and see, um, see if I have a different outcome. And um, at that time, I was probably in my best, uh, well, physical, sort of mentally, but my, my best spiritual condition I had been in in my whole life. And so for a to, I mean, in a way, it sort of felt like I'm like, okay, I trained. This is the race, you know, not a race I ever, ever want to run, but I'm ready to run the race. Um, and, uh, and so that was a, as crazy as that sounds, it was a conscious choice I made that night. And then I made the hard phone calls to let people know that he had passed. Um, and it was just, it was uh, overwhelming. My sort of my nervous system wouldn't calm down that night. And it was, unreal. And I vacillated between like understanding that he had died to, to, I remember looking at my sister and going, Oh my God, I, 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 I just thought I got a call that Michael died. Right. It was like the shock was so hard for me to absorb, but I remember having that con that conflict of what's real and what's not and trying to grasp really what I was going through. Um, and then what our kids would go through and his family would go through and um, the, the road that that would follow you know and so um so first things first i had to get home and a big my big sister uh, traveled back with me thank god i know my little sister would come but she was very very pregnant um and so we jumped on a flight and headed home and um i talked to this amazing child psychologist on my way home or therapist who talked to my ex-husband and i about how to talk to the girls and um 
we got home and Nina, I think that was the hardest part of all this. So they had known Michael for many, many years, you know, and had these beautiful relationships with him. They have a great dad, but also, you know, he was the bonus dad. He was awesome. He was a buddy and um, got to experience him. And so I walked into my ex-husband's house and, uh, you know, he clearly was uh, upset and gave me a big hug and we went and sat the girls down and we watched them play for a couple of minutes and it was just oh it was so painful knowing that I was enough to tell them that and that their life you know because I had that happen when I was little I lost my brother and I know what that's like to have you know a significant loss like that so early on and it removes the like tooth fairy and unicorn story you know nope there's life and there's death all of a sudden there's this real life uh truth that you know we are vulnerable and I don't, we don't know how long it's going to last, you know, so no longer are you concerned about Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and right, you're like, I could lose, I could lose anyone at any time. So there's very harsh reality to it. So we sat there sort of watching them play. And then we told the girls and they, um, they actually thought I was joking. Because I, that's what that's what our minds want to do, right? We work to protect ourselves. And um, the therapist actually nailed exactly how they would respond. So I had a ton that we lost Michael, and I also had a ton that we lost our black lab in the car accident. And so um, it was hard. And they, you know, as, as you can imagine, they weeped and they cried and they asked questions. And I gave them uh, to the, you know, the, the knowledge that I had and the information that I had. But I said to them, I want you to hear me. I want you to listen very closely. I'm going to tell you girls this today and I'm going to tell you tomorrow and I'm going to tell you in two weeks. I'm going to tell you in two months. We are okay. And we are going to be okay. We cannot go around this. You can't, can't bypass grief. You can't bypass your feelings. We don't get to get Michael back. I can't undo this and I can't reverse it. So we're going to go through it. We're going to feel the feelings, but we are okay. And we're going to continue to be okay. And I'm going to guarantee you that in the near future, we will be back to living our big, beautiful life because that is what Michael Dolan would want for all of us. You know, and I can see, even as I'm telling you, Lily's like, Maddie has big blue eyes too. Lily has like these saucers just sort of blink, blink at me, you know, and I'm like, and that's the truth. We will get back to joy. We are going to have to experience whatever our emotions are, right? And I recognize they might emote differently from me, but um, we're okay, you know, and to me, like the universe and God or whatever that is to you, that bigger thing is to you, that has us and holds us as we make our way. You know, we don't get dropped during, during the times that we need it most, you know, so we're okay. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, and it was something that we talked about day after day after day. How did you have the every day that sort of, zest for trying to find that big, beautiful life again. I mean, where did that come from? Was that meditation? I mean, I feel like if anyone, you know, wants your advice about how to get through a really hard time, like what are some, what are some steps that helped you that might help other people like that helped you and your girls get, get to that point of having joy again after such a huge loss? Yeah. So I think that that's such an awesome question. And honestly, I don't, I did not have this at any other loss of my life or time. It was really goes back to, and I say this to my kids all the time, where do your beliefs lie? Because whatever your internal belief system is, that is what you're going to experience outside of you. So if I believe that everything is rigged in my favor, even though it looks like hell outside, right? And it, it looks pretty grim. 
I have to believe that it's rigged in my favor, that I will learn and I will grow. I have to find gratitude for the love that I did have and I'm going to have to move forward. We were lucky enough that what was a love story between Michael and I turned into a love story with our community. We really had just the most profound, beautiful outpouring of love from um, our church, from our neighbors. I mean, fired up everybody, just sort of uh, poured love um, onto us. But it was, it was, it was my belief system, right? Which I had fostered for about eight years. Michael gave me that space to build and foster that, um, uh, believing that it is rigged in my favor, you know, that I am perfectly love. I am perfectly whole. There's nothing, you know, nothing uh, broken here that needs to be fixed and that we are okay. And so, um, so, so tools, I had built this practice where I meditate every morning. Um, I do, like a little, not a devotion, but something like, like a little lesson every day to sort of get me focused. Um, and I wrote this prayer. So three days after Michael died, you know, surrender is a huge piece for me anyways of surviving life and not just surviving, but thriving and finding joy is surrendering and that belief that everything is, is for me, you know? And um, so I was surrendering in the mornings, but it was so physically emotional when I would open, like painful when I would open my eyes in the morning because you have, and anyone who's lost someone, suddenly you have that like, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds, 45 seconds where you think you're waking up to your old life and then it just, the pain is just crushing. And so um, I, I wrote this uh, prayer three days in and I started to physically, not just you know mentally and in my heart, try to surrender every morning and sort of turn it over. I would, I had to like start to turn my palms up and like physically go, okay, all right, God, universe, world, love, divine, whatever you call it. I'm all right. I'm yours, you know? And so I wrote this poem or excuse me, prayer to get myself centered and focused with what I chose and what I thought I needed to focus on so that that would be my foundational belief system as I headed into my day. Right. So I said, I'm, you know, I'm checking in and I'm checking out for the day as I know you've got this. Thank you for another day, for lungs that breathe, eyes that see, legs that walk, and hands to carry me. Help me to remember that I am perfect light and I am perfect love, and that your love is all-encompassing, unending, and unconditional. Help me to remember that I am tapped into it always and can never walk alone. Help me to focus on what I do have and not on what I don't have, and to remember that my job here is simply to love, bless, and heal. Please show me where you want me to go today. Direct me to what you want me to do and what to say while divorcing me from victimhood, my self-pity and self-seeking motives. Help me to see abundance and possibilities where I once saw lack, limitation and dead ends. I'm certainly open for love, possibilities and abundance as I heal and rest today. Help me to be this fearless extension of God's love and so it is, amen, right? So help me to move past is so easy, so easy to fall into what I don't have. Right. At that moment. Like a lot of us have even done that in 2020. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whispers to us. That's right. So, yeah, good for you. Good for you. Well, so I know it took you a little while, but I feel like something kind of clicked in 2020, you know, the start of a new year and something sort of clicked for you where you realized you were ready to get back out there and try to date again and try to find love again. Cause I know that was something you and your girls really wanted after Michael and your beautiful love story with him. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how something kind of clicked for you at the beginning of 2020 with the new year. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was sort of strange. So I had no, I think that uh, when things like this happen, people try to understand it, right? They're like, what stage of the five stages of grief are you? Like everyone wants to wrap their head around it because it's so scary. And that flash of our uh, immortality is in front of us, right? And so everybody wants to understand what it is. And I was, I was determined to not box myself in, right? I was determined to not say, okay, you have to go through these five stages. You have to move that move forward, right? You have to, um, joy is not something you're going to experience in the first X amount of weeks, right? And I had all these labels and, you know, guidelines and boundaries that everybody who has been through grief to some degree, every, most people draft off the same, you know, book for grieving to tell you what it's going to look like. And I was really determined to not have um, any preconceived ideas. And then if on day four, I wanted to, I had an opportunity to experience immense joy. I was going to experience immense joy. You no, know? I didn't want to put limits on love and joy and um, uh, any timelines and guidelines. Cause I think we really think in terms of scarcity and limitation. And I just, I didn't, I had practiced for so many years of not living like that. I didn't want to now. And so I was just sort of open and I was really, I really go with the flow of life. And I came out of this meditation. It was late December of 2019. I came out of this meditation and texted actually a very dear friend of mine, who's a family law attorney who um, did some uh, work for my ex-husband and I, after we got divorced and she and I had become good friends and I texted her and I'm like, I think I'm ready to date, you know? And I, it's your back. She's like, are you sure? I, I'm going to have to put this somewhere so we can pull it out, you know, in a year from now or whatever. I go, no, I think I am. I, I got this very clear uh, message in meditation because I'm all about uh, love, right? This unconditional love. We don't have a scarcity of it. We have an abundance of it. So you can just give it and give it freely and to be open to it in all areas of my life. And I think I, I think I said to you, you know, when Michael died, the one thing that I promised my girls was we were not gonna move forward. We were gonna love forward. We were gonna take all the love we experienced in our family and with Michael, and we we're gonna pour that into every part of our life. And so I didn't wanna limit it and go, oh, you know, he's only, uh, it's only been a year, right? Or, oh, it, you have to wait till the five-year mark or the six, like all these crazy rules. And so um, I was just open. So I texted her that. And I just threw it out there. It's very clear to me in meditation that this was one area in my life where I was controlling it, right? I was going, no, 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 I'm not open to that. And so it was that awareness that I was doing that, that I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with it. I'm gonna see what, see what shows up, you know? And um, I, it was like maybe three or four weeks later, this friend reaches out and um, she's like, oh my gosh, she had connected with one of the producers from Good Morning America. They were looking for, um, a, a widow who would get back into dating. And so Good Morning America contacted me and uh, just said, would you be interested in doing something like this? And I have this motto, I think, you know, Nina, where I say yes in life almost all the time. Yes, yes, yes. And so um, it was laid right on my path. And I said, yes. So I did my, my interviews and told them our story. And um, the whole idea was it was 2020 is a leap year. So you would leap into love right? Trying to find even more love. So that's, uh, that's what I did with Good Morning America. And they set me up with this little coach named Bella, Bella Gandhi, which is just the most amazing name. And uh, Bella Gandhi came in and um, did some coaching. We did this little segment that was on TV where she told me about like dating in 2020, because I haven't been, you know, haven't been on the scene in a while. And so she told me, 
about dating apps and um, there's like this exclusivity conversation you have that I never would have had had she not told me. And um, just a few tips and tricks on how to, um, how to fit it all in. Cause I work multiple jobs and have, you know, kids and single mom and you know, the craziness of life. And so she just kind of coached me on, on how to fit it all in. And I took this leap into finding even more love, which is hysterical because two weeks, no, no, no. The week after I was in New York, I get home and they're like, well, number one, New York is a hot spot for COVID. So I was like, oh, great. I probably have it. And two, uh, like we're going on lockdown. So good luck dating, right? Yeah. I know. I thought of you because I watched you on Good Morning America. First of all, you were amazing. Oh, you're so cute. Your national television debut. And I loved, I loved your chemistry with Robin Roberts. And I loved, I loved hearing from your dating coach. I felt like your dating coach kind of like, she like got you. She like, she understood you. She connected with you, but you and Robin, you and Robin really, um, I thought were just fast friends and that was great. And I was, I were all kind of cheering for you, right? Like on national television, we heard your story and we were cheering for you to find love again. And then I kept thinking as your story was on, cause I knew what was going on in the world. Like a few days later, like yeah. we were in this COVID lockdown all of a sudden. And I kept thinking, Oh my gosh, Elizabeth, Lizzie, like is going to start doing these dating. She's dating and we're in a <laughs> pandemic now. Like I, I, I thought of you so much, but so then tell us like, what was that even like? First of all, you know, how do you even date in a pandemic? Right? Like, yeah. so, you know, we all know that you, you do have a happy ending to this because you found Corey and yeah. we'll talk about him, but how did, like, how does that, how do you even date during a pandemic when we are locked down and good morning America is just like announced to the world that <laughs> you're on the market. You're yeah. looking. <laughs> I know the timing was impeccable as per usual. And you know what? That is, that is sort of what is the, the best part of my whole life is there's such funny little things like this that happen that just crack me up. It's like so good for my personality, you know? So we were just, my girlfriend who had gone to Good Morning America with me, we were dying laughing after we had gotten home. I'm like, of course, I say I'm in a date and the whole freaking world shuts down, you know? Um, Robin Roberts was, talk about an extraordinary, lovely human being. She was just so warm. She's just extraordinary. And so was Danielle, the producer, lovely, thoughtful. And Bella, Bella gave me the number one tip that actually, uh, is the very reason I met Corey. So, um, dating, yeah, dating during a quarantine is interesting. I had decided when I started dating that number one, I was just going to have so much fun with this. I had no expectations, much like the rest of my life. I just sort of wake up and go with the day. Um, And I was just really going to consider it an honor if anybody gave me time with them. That's how I decided I was going to see it. If I had a minute with another human being, that's like our biggest asset, our most scarce asset, right? It's this time thing. And if someone was willing to give it to me, I was just going to be overjoyed that they were going to give it to me, you know? So that was sort of my mindset going in. And what I found out really quickly was it was such an honor to, um, to hear people's stories, you know, to, and, and dating at our age, you don't walk in and go like, everything's great. I have a perfect GPA at school. I'm going to go to med school and be a doctor, right? You're like, hi, 
I'm divorced, widowed. Um, my mother is a total train wreck. My, you know, my dog's a drug addict. I've been divorced six times. I, you know, you're like, and that's me. You want a date? I mean, you just like go through it. You know, my kids can be assholes. My this and that. It's like dating at this age. You just walk into a date, like lay it all on the table because we have so much light. So what I learned really quick is that on that first or second date, you hear someone else's life story, right? And sometimes it's the hardest moments of their life. It's their, it's a divorce. It's a death. It's a, you know, a breakup that left them heartbroken. It's, you know, it's like, it's such a uh, intimate glimpse in another human being's life very, very quickly. And that to me was such an honor to hear someone else's story. So that's kind of my mindset going in there. Um, but, you know, you couldn't really go on a normal date. So here's what was so cool, Nina is I got jumped on these apps, which I never would have done without Bella suggesting. And people started to get really creative. Okay, so guys would like ask you out on a date and you would have to do it by Zoom or FaceTime, but which is kind of awesome because you don't have to have sex if you don't want to. You don't even have to worry about like the first kiss. And there were so many other things I got to see. So like this one guy, I went on a date with him by uh, Zoom and he was super cool. Well, there was a guitar in the backdrop of his. And so I'm like, oh, do you play the guitar? He's like, yeah. I'm like, can you play something for me? He goes, yeah. So he like started playing his guitar. And I thought if we were out at a restaurant, I would never be able to hear this. You know, like one guy he was on and he had like cats everywhere walking around. And so I'm like, oh, how many cats do you have? <laughs> you know, and he started introducing me to all his animals and so never would have met the animals if it wasn't for that then they had to get kind of creative so like um one guy early on before we are in a complete lockdown he was like um do would you like to go out to lunch and so he picked a park near my house and he said made lunch and he sat at a picnic bench way off to the side and I sat off way off to the side like we could still hear each other but we were kind of far apart my lunch is on my table with little candle his is on his little candle and we chatted like that. You know, we did lots of social distancing, walking and that sort of thing. Um, lots of communication where there was no other pressure, right? There wasn't pressure to kiss or sex or have those types of conversations. It was really, it was almost like very pure. Like we're gonna have to just talk and get to know each other in, in a lot of detail. And uh, you're gonna have to let, you know, like I'm gonna see into your home because we're gonna be on Zoom or FaceTime, right? Or, um, you know, yeah, your kids might be interrupting you, right? They just, totally. in. yeah, totally your kids like once. Yeah. I'm like shutting my computer. Oh, I'm not talking to anyone in here. Girls, I'll be right out. Right. And so it was just, it, it was such a beautiful way to date. And I feel like I got to know people in a totally different way. Like there were some things that you just couldn't hide, like your home or yeah, your kids, your pets, your, you know, and, um, I got to experience different things. I got very very lucky. I did not have any date. I hear horror stories about people who dated. And trust me, when I said I was dating, they told me all of their horror stories. I did not experience that. I went on a lot of dates and I met a lot of really, really incredible people who shared with me what they had been through. And um, they were all very sort of gentle, loving, interesting, interesting people. Um, I can't, I literally can't say that I had a bad experience with everyone. I can look back now and be really grateful for exactly how it went. Like the first guy I, I did, I don't know, maybe 25 
like social distance walks in the winter with him, you know, when it was snowing here. And he was such a beautiful, I learned so much from him and the way he handled his divorce with his ex-wife and his story. And I just, I was so grateful that he was my first introduction to dating because he was very gentle like Michael was. And so I got over some of my fears of like, oh, there's never going to be anyone else like Michael, you know, not that I'm looking for another Michael, but there's, there's gentle men out there and people who are kind and thoughtful and vulnerable. And um, it was just, it was all laid out so perfectly. Um, so then how did, did you meet Corey on Zoom on one of these apps or how did you and Corey meet? Okay, so that's funny. So I met Corey on an app. Thank you, Bella. And which by the way, app dating, if anyone's listening and you are not on apps, you kind of have to go on apps because it's just like another funnel. It's very uncomfortable. I actually cried. I thought it was depressing when I first got on. I was like, this is horrible. But it it's fun and it's it's just you have to go into it lighthearted and just be ready to meet awesome people and love on everyone you meet and you're gonna have a good experience. But you gotta get on apps. So I was on Bumble and Match because I'm a dating app whore now and loved them. And so I met him on Bumble, but Nina, this is oh, it's so embarrassing. So I'm not smooth at all. So we met on Bumble and all I said to him, oh, I had dated this other guy and uh, it didn't work out. And I thought, you know what? I've been really good at doing my 30 minutes a day on these apps. Like Bella said, I'm going to take a little break. And so I jump on my Bumble app to like snooze. You can snooze it for months or weeks or whatever. And little Corey's picture popped up. And so I'm like, well, he thought, you know, so I swiped right. And all I said to him was, hey, period. And I'm like, well, that should land it. That should land the plane. But that's all I said. And because uh, I was actually kind of half out, you know, and threw my, threw my phone down. And he responded fairly quickly and very engaging, like a paragraph or whatever. And so I wrote back, mind you, I'm on Bumble. So I write back and I'm like, oh, you know, thanks for the response. Yeah, I live in, you know, I live here, up here. He had known the area I was in. And um, I'm like, so, so how's match going for you? What a dumbass. He's like, um, I don't know. I've never been on match, but Bumble's going picking up. I met a nice girl on there and I'm like, oh, I look like a whore on these dating apps. Like I'm on 50, you know? So I was like, oh, right, Bumble, I'm on Bumble, you know, I'm like, I don't even know how these apps work, kind of trying to act like I'm smooth, which I'm not. And so um, he was just very warm and engaging and looked at my pictures and, you know, had looked at, um, you know, asked me about my dog and had looked at some other things. So we talked a lot. I laughed so hard when, when he, he, it was so cute because he picked up on my error, you know, but made it really sweet. Like, well, I don't know. I've never been on match with Bumble's picking up. I met a girl that's great or something like that, or really cute or something. And so um, we just had this great banter back and forth and um, talked for maybe like, maybe three days. And then I said, would you like, or he said, would you like to meet for a cup of coffee? Cause our Starbucks, you can meet outside of the picnic table. And um, you know, with a mask on or whatever, we were at that stage here in Illinois. And so um, we did that. We met, and this is so funny. So he told me he was going to bike here. I live North of Chicago. So he said he was going to bike here. So I thought, I thought he was going to ride his bike from Chicago up to the North shore, which is not that hard to do. So I pull into, um, the Starbucks parking lot and I park next to this car. That's like two cars over from me. And there's a guy up at Starbucks, him with a bike standing in his, in his Lycra 
up at near Starbucks on his bike, you know? And so I pull up in my little car and I look to my left, I see the biker up at Starbucks him. And I look to my left and the car left to me. And there's this really handsome guy in the car next to me. And I go, Oh, I wish he was single. You know, so I get out of the car and I start walking up to Starbucks and the guy gets out of the car and he's like, Elizabeth. And so I look at the guy that got out of the car and I look at the biker up at Starbucks. I'm like, yeah, he goes, it's Corey. So I'm like, oh, thank God, you're not the guy in full on Lycra that doesn't match up at Starbucks, you know? And um, he was just so sweet. He was, he was like the biggest human being I have ever seen in my life. He's six, six and so handsome. And for as tall as he is, he just felt so gentle. And, um, and that's something I can warm up to, you know, that's something familiar to me. And so uh, the other thing that actually is the reason we're engaged is because he brought donuts. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so brilliant. That's so brilliant. So we sat and had coffee and donuts. And I even tried to like not be a total pig because it was like the first meeting, you know? So I like cut a little bit of the donut, but I was really dying for like three more donuts. <laughs> it was so funny. So I just continued to impress him apparently. Well, he stuck around. He stuck around. Yeah. And so you guys just recently got engaged and I just, I want to hear like, how are the girls? How do they like their, their new bonus dad to be now that you guys are engaged? I'm sure they're so happy for you guys. I mean, I feel like we're all like, we've all been cheering for this and it's yeah. actually happened during a crazy 2020 year in the middle of a pandemic. Of course, Corey, and you guys are engaged. I mean, it's just, how does this happen? What do the girls think? They're so the girls are thrilled. They, uh, they think Corey's awesome, which he is. And he's, you know, he's fun and he's, um, he's engaging and he pays a lot of attention to him. And he, so, so Corey's the dad of three girls. So he has um, a 17 year old and then a 13, 11 year old, just like I do. And so he knows how to, he knows how to hang with girls, right? And um, so they think he is just so much fun, but he's also, um, he's also uh, vulnerable and, and authentic and shows up exactly as he is. And that provides safety for all of us, right? We know that whether we know, speak it, we know it, we really deeply feel that, right? All of us intuitively know authenticity and uh, realness when we, when we have it in our lives. And so um, <clears throat> they're super excited. He, uh, wanted to tell them he was going to do this beforehand, but you know, given the circumstances and everything we've been through, he thought maybe I should be the one to tell them, which is smart. And so um, he, he uh, like me, is a vegetarian. He eats fish, but mostly vegetarian. So we went to his house on Saturday a few weeks ago, and he took a shower and put his pajamas on and went downstairs to make dinner because he's an amazing cook, Nina. Like amazing so lucky and so um he went downstairs to make dinner and I took a bath and called my mom and hung out I texted him hey what are you doing down there he's like oh I just finished dinner come on down so I go walking down the stairs and it's a little bit dim but it's night and then I hear this song that he and I love and I got to the bottom of the steps because it took me that long to figure out what was going on and I looked to my right and he's standing in a suit meanwhile I have like ratty pajamas on and I go oh no I'm 
like pajamas. He's like, no, no, I like in your jammies. I like in a dress, you know, like in jeans. It's okay. And, um, and he, he read me this poem. It's very special to him. And then, um, and then proposed. And so it was really beautiful. And uh, it was beautiful. And it was, it was just him showing up as him. And so um, we were able to have that night together. And then we told the kids and they were thrilled thrilled but I'm going to tell you that so my one of my daughters goes I'm all in I'm so excited I'm all in and my other daughter had a big smile on her face and her eyes started to fill up with tears and I go well, you know what's going on That's, well, this is why I wanted to tell you we all get to have our feelings around it and we all get to you know speak our truths around it and so um, tell me what's going on for you and this daughter in particular has always been um She's like the guardian of Michael's memory, okay? I mean, since he died, like when we had to take his pictures off of the poster board, she's like, where are you putting them? You know, I had to put them in a special album and they're on our coffee table and they're in the same place. If I move a picture, she's like, where's that picture of Michael and us or Michael and you? So she's very much like, you know, his birthday, his anniversary, he, he loved uh, uh, 4th of July, he loved Christmas. So we all, all of his traditions, like she is the guardian of Michael's memory. And so, um, she said, I love Corey. I think he's awesome. And I'm so happy for us. And she said, but I still love Michael and he's still my stepdad. And um, it's, it's such an example though of how many of us think in terms of love, right? That, it, that there is something scarce about it or that to love someone else takes from someone else. It's, it's just this weird cultural mindset we have around love. And um, it was such a beautiful opportunity to explain to her that nothing, no one ever gets taken out. People get folded in, more love gets given, more love gets received. No, we don't take love from anyone, you know? Um, and so we had a really great conversation about that and that she can love Michael however she wants and have her relationship however she sees it with him um, and, and still relish in that love, just as I do. You know, and one of the most beautiful things about Corey is that he too is very comfortable in who he is. And he's never once asked us to minimize Michael in our hearts and in our homes. And I think I said, even in something that I wrote, in fact, he's done the opposite. He's come in and he's asked us all about him. And to me, I've watched Corey fall in love with, my, with our Michael. You know, it's just really been so extraordinary to see. And, um, he hasn't been threatened by him, which is hard. It's hard to step into a relationship where the person you're dating loves somebody else very much. Mm -hmm. um, and to, to be able to make space, as, as Corey said, there's space for Michael always in this relationship, you know, to be able to make space for that and not feel threatened by that is really quite extraordinary. So Lily, um, our girls had this reaction and they, you know, they talked to their dad and I talked to him and um, a couple days later, Corey came over with lunch for the girls and he uh, was going to talk to each one of them separately. And he sat down with my oldest daughter and um, he said, I want to explain a, a few things. I want to talk to you about a few things, if that's okay with me. And she's like, yeah, it's okay. And she's like, first of all, um, he's like, uh, this, is, this is in our home. Michael is always going to be a part of our family. His memories uh, will always be, his pictures will always be up on our walls. His stories will always be told and his traditions will always be honored in our home, if that's what you want. 
you know, that he will be a part of our family always. Number two, you are not responsible for my feelings, Lily. You are always responsible for your feelings and expressing them and being, being true to yourself, right? But you don't have to worry about how that's going to impact me. Um, and he said, and you know what? I love Michael. I love Michael for the way that he treated his mom, your mom. And I love Michael for the way that he treated you. And you could just sort of see her shoulders, uh, like relax a little bit and her, you know, the tension come up and she did just like, I mean, I was sitting across the table sobbing because I felt like he was talking to me too. Even though he has told me this before, very early on, he's like, Michael's a part of our relationship. I don't ever want you to hide that or cut him out or feel like you can't bring him in. He's in that. He, he always goes, that's baked into the cake. You know, I love you. And he's, it's, it's there, you know? And so I, I almost needed to hear it too, you know? And he's just, I feel like Corey's so emotionally intelligent in that way and just knows exactly how to speak to us and what, um, and recognize, have empathy and understanding for what we're going through. And so, um, it was really qu quite beautiful, you know, and he was able to say, he's, he's a part of our life. No one gets cut out, you know, and the love that you have for him, I have love for him too. And, um, you know, for him, he said, it's an honor to hear about a man like Michael, right? It's an honor to know him. So it's, um, and he had a very similar conversation with uh, my other daughter and, you know, and also it's like, and I vow to be fun. Like, we're going to have a big, beautiful life. We're going to have a ton of fun. Um, and I think we all just feel so grateful that we met each other. His, he yeah. has three really amazing girls. He and his ex-wife have done an extraordinary job. Um, and so we've been watching our kids sort of navigate what that is for them. And it's a bonus it's, family, bonus siblings. It's a bonus. Yeah. With no expectations. You know, yeah. I'm like, we have no expectations of you guys except to treat each other with kindness. Yes. You know? That's it. So important. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you just really do have this big, beautiful life. Yeah. Incredible. So how does Corey feel before we go about, you know, why don't you guys get back on Good Morning America and share, share the new, the new chapter in this journey? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he'd be right. up for it. I know. He's a, uh, he's a big supporter. I feel like America needs to meet Corey after we've been <laughs> cheering you on. <laughs> they do. Dating apps. They do need to meet him. He's really yeah. quite extraordinary. They do need to meet him. Anyone I, I think, I think Robin Roberts is going to love on Corey. Yeah, she is. Yeah, there's there's not much not to love. He's he's really amazing. And did you guys set a wedding date, Lizzie? You know, so we didn't yet. I think we're thinking, who knows with COVID, but I think we're thinking March. I think we're thinking okay. we will go on spring break with our girls yeah. and then have a very small, uh, you know, close friends and family and see if we can pull something yeah. done. Yeah. I feel like 2021 is, you know, that's going to be, it's going to be better to do things then. Yeah. I yeah. think, right. Yeah, so we, we kind of have to just see what happens with the yeah. situation. Of course. I know. Well, we're so, we're so happy for this beautiful story, your big, beautiful life. And um, I just feel like everyone is going to be so inspired just listening to you. And I feel like you've been, you've been put on this earth to teach all of us all this good stuff that you are sharing with everybody. I feel like I've learned so much from you today. And um, I'm just so happy that you and Corey have found each other. And I loved hearing so much more about Michael and everything that he brought to the table for you and your, and your girls. And um, just, just happy to hear about what 2020 has meant for you guys, because it actually has been, like you said, 
you've been thriving and clearly you and Corey found each other and it all worked out. So it's so nice to hear that because it hasn't been so easy on everybody else. So it's yeah. nice to hear when, when all this good stuff is happening for you guys. Yeah. And um, thank you for sharing all the, all the stories about, you know, overcoming grief too, because that was really inspiring too and very powerful. So my pleasure. Thank you, Nina. Thanks for all the joy and light you bring. I appreciate it. Well, happy holidays to you and Corey. Can't wait to follow along as you guys plan your wedding. Me too. Thank you so much, Nina. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast. Remember, you can find Nina's Got Good News on iTunes and Spotify, also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Outcast. And now we are also on Pandora. Please be sure to subscribe. Also rate and review all her podcasts too. And be sure to share it with a friend. The mission of this podcast is to get better together as a community in the audio space. Please follow my mom on Instagram. Her handle is Nina B. Clark. Don't forget, Clark has an E at the end of it. For now, I'm Blaine Clark. Thank you again for listening, and let's just keep being awesome. XOXL.